and welcome everybody to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint. On the BMG Network, we begin with another shooting, a mass shooting, this one in Texas. 15 people dead, 14 students and a teacher dead after a shooting at the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. This happened Tuesday. The 18-year-old suspect, a student or a pupil at Uvalde High, also dead. According to Governor Greg Abbott, the shooter, the student or pupil in this case, shot and killed horrifically and incomprehensibly 14 students and a teacher. The suspect also allegedly shot and killed his grandmother before entering the school and again opening fire. So the shooter identified by law enforcement officials as 18-year-old Salvador Ramos had a handgun and possibly a rifle. That's all we know as we record this. It's Tuesday evening. You're going to hear more about it in the coming days and weeks. Already the president is on this evening as I record this, and he's stumbling and slurring his way through a speech how we have to uh, you know, institute more gun controls, like that's going to do something. It's not going to, it's not going to prevent this kind of shooting or shootings. Unfortunately, I don't think there's anything you can do to totally stop this kind of horrific action. We, we live in a free country, a free society. And some would say that that's, this is the price we pay for our freedom. Some people will exercise their freedom in the wrong way. I don't know if this young man, if he was legal, uh, this, this school, Uvalde, is in, uh, it's between San Antonio and the southern border, the Mexican border. So, I mean, that's my, my question was, is this, is this kid legal? Was he a legal citizen? Just because he went to the school doesn't make him a legal citizen. But you're not going to hear that argument from the other side. They're going to focus on the gun or guns used in this, in this latest mass shooting and not the person or the heart of the person holding the gun and whether or not he was legal. The, our southern border is so porous. You've seen pictures of these people massing across the border in Texas. And they're all, most of them are young men, 18, 20, 25 years old. You know these people are no good. I'm not saying this, this kid was illegal. I'd like to know if he was a legalized citizen. But more of these types of incidents are bound to happen. But the left, they won't do what they need to do to really protect us, secure our borders. They'll blame you know, white supremacists and Nazis and, you know, Trump supporters, basically, for the divisions in our nation. They're the biggest threat to our democracy, the biggest threat since the Civil War. That's what they said during the January 6th uprising. The biggest uh, threat to our democracy. More dangerous than 9-11. Is that right? So one commentator said it was more, more dangerous. Uh, January 6th was more dangerous than 9-11. How many people died on January 6th? There was one shooting. The Capitol Police officers shot dead a, a, a U.S. veteran, Ashley Babbitt. That was the only shooting. That was the only bullet fired. There were 3,000 people who died on 9-11, nitwits. January 6th is not a day that's going to live in infamy. You can't compare it to you know, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, or Pearl Harbor, or the Civil War, or 9-11. It's, it's, lud it's lunacy. And they know it. The equity agenda is what's causing a lot of the, I think, this, this business that, that everybody has to be equal has spawned division and rage. There is real rage in this country. And it's not from the right. There's some from the right. Certainly, it's a reaction to what's going on in this country from this Biden administration and the communist left who control a good portion of Congress and a lot of our media. They're the biggest threat 
to our, our republic. We don't live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic. But I think it's this agenda that the left is pursuing that's driving a wedge a, a, a further, it, uh, right down the middle of our nation. People on the left, and I and I, I'm going to be skipping all over the place. I apologize, but I'm just, I'm just going to let it let it hang out here. I listen to NPR frequently. My wife and I listen to NPR on a regular basis because I want to see how the other half lives. And what I hear on NPR is, as Tucker Carlson put it the other night, he said they have this the way of delivering the news and the way they interview people on the left. They're so uh, sanctimonious. They're they're so elitist just in the way they deliver the news and deliver their interviews. It's to me, and I, I'm, I'm a broadcaster. I've been a broadcaster since 1982. I know how to deliver the news. I know how to color a story just by inflecting on certain words. And they do it, they get away with it. And what gets me about NPR, they receive hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars every year. And, they, and you can listen to them at any given day part, any day of the week, and you can hear their disdain for the middle class, the people they claim to represent. They're Democrats, most of them, progressive Democrats. They hate the middle class. Hillary Clinton summed it up during the 2016 campaign. She'd put them all into, they're a basket of deplorables, racists and homophobes and xenophobes. And, you know, she summed it up. She spoke truth to power when she said that. That's how NPR and progressive liberals, that's how they view America's middle class, many of whom uh, support our former president, by the way, Donald Trump, because Donald Trump understands our needs. He puts the needs of America first. But NPR, they get hundreds of millions of dollars every year, and they loathe the very people who pay their salaries. They got this sneering delivery, as Tucker Carlson put it the other night. I, I don't know why I listen. I don't know why my wife listens faithfully every day to this one, this one show, they, or this roundtable, they call it. No conservatives on there. I guess one or two token Republicans, but even they're liberal. And I, I can't wait to listen. I'm going to listen tomorrow and see what they have to say about the shooting in Texas, because this shooting wasn't carried out by a white man. So it's going to be interesting to see how they approach it. They'll focus on the gun. Yes, we need to cut down on, on the numbers of these kinds of shootings, but you're never, ever going to totally eliminate them. I can just hear the arguments on the floor of the assembly tomorrow and the rest of the week and next week, how we need to do something. Nobody like this should be able to get a gun legally. I'm not sure if his guns were legally obtained. The shooter in Buffalo got his guns legally, had an AR-15. That was his weapon of choice. And some are saying we got to ban AR-15s. They are the most popular, best-selling rifle in America. Biden's law enforcement has AR-15s. The people who protect Nancy Pelosi have AR-15s. Why can't we? We're not responsible enough? Most of us are. Most of us gun owners, and I own rifles, long guns. I don't have a pistol permit. I just don't want to jump through the hoops here in New York State. I have two brothers. They have their pistol permits. They are very responsible gun owners, as am I. It's just the whole thing. I'm tired of hearing about how we got to do something about these school shootings. And the left will use this to pursue that end. That's their goal. More gun registries. You know, more gun laws, more red flag laws. You know what we need in New York State to prevent these kinds of shootings? We need to have a right to carry law, as they have in almost 40 other states have right to carry. Not, not here in New York. Or stand your ground laws, I should say. 
I forget how many how many states have right to carry, but we need to stand your ground law here in New York State the way they have it in Texas or in uh, in Florida and other states. The shooter, this 18-year-old uh, Peyton Genron, the shooter in Buffalo, he said he targeted this specific area because it he knew that those people would not have access to weapons or their ammunition, they have limited access to ammunition. These shooters, these criminals are not stupid. They're not brain surgeons, but they're not dumb either. If one of those 10 victims had a gun, I know one of the police officers, a former police officer who was a, a guard on duty who was killed trying to protect the others, if some one or two of the other victims had guns, maybe that this whole catastrophe could have been prevented or the severity lessened, but we'll never know. All right, I want to get to uh, a few other things here. A couple of things. I have some audio. I had audio from Biden and from Kamala Harris. I'll get to it maybe next show. I don't have enough time. Uh, Kamala Harris said something to the effect, you know, our community. I I don't know if she was speaking about the black community. Uh, She uh, claims to be African-American. She is not. Uh, She said our community. And I don't have context. I apologize. So maybe I shouldn't even bring it up. But I had a piece of audio with her saying, you know, these children are the community's children. No, they're not. They're, they're our children. It doesn't take a village, comrade, to raise children. It takes a loving father and a loving mother. Two parents, one male, one female. That's what it takes to raise a children. It doesn't take a village, idiot. That's Kamala Harris. I don't have the audio. Now you don't need the audio. Basically, uh, I gave it to you. And Biden, I forget, he was stumbling and stammering about something. We'll have more audio. The next show we do, maybe on the weekend, we'll we'll have some audio clips from Biden and a few other people. You know, uh, Andrew Cuomo is back in the news because he, these Demo- Democrats are shameful. They think that nobody can see through what they're trying to do. Cuomo was at a black church recently, I think last weekend, at Abys- some Abyssinian Baptist church somewhere. I think he was out in Buffalo. Probably. He's got ties to Buffalo, the Buffalo Billions and all that. And uh, he's going to try to uh, primary Kathy Hochul. And he thinks that he need, and he's right. I mean, he needs to get the black people on his side. And Hochul's doing the same thing. She was on, uh, she had an Instagram piece of her hugging all these little black children. My wife showed me. And my wife follows Kathy, uh, Kathy Hochul's uh, Instagram page. And there's Hochul. She's like their, like her, their, their auntie. You know, she's hugging them and, oh, she's petting them. And, she oh, she loves black children. Cuomo in a black church. It's a, it, they're, they're trying to curry favor with black people because every Democrat knows they need the support of 90-plus percent of black people to have even a chance in a national election. Hochul is running again. Cuomo is going to primary here, I think. And, of course, Lee Zeldin is the Republican candidate. Uh, I'm not going to go into the race, but but Cuomo, I was thinking about this, and a friend of mine at work, we were talking about Cuomo. Young Andrew ran his father's campaign for governor in the late 80s when the elder Cuomo ran against former New York City Mayor Ed Koch. So young Andrew coined the campaign slogan, vote for Cuomo, not the homo. Now, Koch had not yet come out of the closet, but the, but the sodomites love Andrew Cuomo. Black people love Andrew Cuomo. My wife tells me this. My wife, for those of you who don't know, is is black. She says black people love Andrew Cuomo. And she can't explain it. Maybe it's the Italian roots. He's, you know, a New Yorker and all this other stuff. So he makes his appearance, uh, appearance at a black church. 
And he has illusions of grandeur. He wants, he thinks he's going to take out Kathy Hochul. And, you know, I wouldn't lose any sleep if he did. I, mean, I don't like, I, I don't, they're Democrats. One's as bad as the other. The other thing I want to get to, and I'll probably double back here if I forget something, but I'm a baseball fan, as most of you know, and I'm a big Yankee fan. They're in first place. They've, they've lost three straight. I don't know what they're going to do tonight. I think they're playing Baltimore. They lost to Baltimore for the, I think, they usually beat Baltimore. Baltimore is not a good team. And uh, anyway, the Yankees have played Baltimore like 12 times already, and we're still in the month of May. Josh Donaldson plays for the Yankees, and he called Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox Jackie in reference to, to Jackie Robinson. Now, the, the media made a big racial incident over this. They said it was racially motivated. I'm not, I'm not Josh Donaldson. I'm, I'm not inside his head. Maybe it was. But... This this uh, this Anderson referred to himself as Jackie Robinson, so I guess I don't know. Again, the the situation I didn't I heard about it the following day, but Donaldson called Anderson, uh, "Hey, Jackie," and uh, Donaldson got a one game suspension. That's the issue. He was suspended for a game and fined for his efforts. Now, the Major League Baseball, the MLB, is is woke, as is the 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 NFL. And certainly the NBA. Anderson refers to himself as Jackie. He is far from the second coming of Jackie Robinson, by the way. I don't know how good a ball player he is. I don't know how good Josh Donaldson is. It doesn't matter. But that's how woke the major leagues have become, Major League Baseball. So Donaldson is appealing the suspension, as he should. And he ought to, as a friend of mine said, a friend of mine at work, he's also a baseball fan. He said they ought to, he ought to, he ought to appeal that decision all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, if need be. We've got to beat back these leftists because they're, they're, they're bullies. They think they can call the tune and we dance to it. It's time to dig in your heels and say enough's enough with this crap. We have the same problem locally. Those who seek to man our Cambridge Indian mascot are working towards the same end. They're, they want to bully us into not saying anything that would be they think would be demeaning to Native Americans. This community, this Cambridge community here in upstate New York is divided like it's never been divided. It's injured. You can, you can feel it. It's a small community. And this whole controversy has been manufactured by a few malcontents on the left. People, the actions of a few members of the, of the arts community and their surrogates on the Board of Education are driving this agenda, this equality agenda, and equity. It's Marxist. It's Marxist in its origins, believe me. Trust me on this. So if you like what you heard today, click like, click subscribe, because we need to have you subscribe, because uh, I have four children, basically, and I, I need the dough. And share. And leave us a comment in the comment section. And if you want to contact me directly, it's pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the BMG Network. Dot com, all lowercase. Bunch of fine programs on the BMG Network for you. Great podcasters, Ken Burns. We have Adrian Ross, my daughter Madeline with The Essentials with Maddie Flint. That airs on Fridays. Some good programming, great columns up there. The Pack Perspective. Check it out. The BMGnetwork.com. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. 
For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flitt.